Welcome to Strip Christianity, where hosts Nicole Phillips and Kendra Lundstrom have raw conversations about life, ministry, and the adult entertainment industry. Wait, what? Nicole Phillips is the executive director of Lavish Ministries, a Florida nonprofit that provides support to women working in the adult entertainment industry. Co-host Kendra Lundstrom, who formerly worked in the adult industry, now serves as a survivor advocate with Lavish Ministries. This is Strip Christianity. Here are your hosts. Hey guys, welcome to episode four of Strip Christianity. I am Nicole. And I am Kendra. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome. So today we have a special guest who is a friend of mine. We've been friends for over 10 years, which makes us sound really, really old. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. I actually know we had been friends for 10 years until um, this person spoke at a lavish event back in February. And she said that from the stage, and I had to do a double take of, no, there's no way we've known each other for 10 years. That can't be true, but it is. It is true. We've known each other for 10 years. And, well, Shamika is a minister. She's a seminary graduate. She has done many things in her life, and currently she is a Christian life coach. We love her so much. Shamika Snipes is here. Hey, Shamika. Welcome. Oh, hello. Good to be here with you guys. So, thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to to chat with you both, and it's going to be a good discussion. I'm excited. I'm excited. Nicole, what do we have on topic for tonight? So, the topic today is actually not a happy topic, which I don't think any of our episodes so far have been happy topics. <laughs> we should probably throw in something very lighthearted for next week, <laughs> to be honest. We started but, with a tattoo topic, but it got so real. Yeah, we started, we, about the first 10 minutes of the tattoo episode was happy, but then it got real dark. <laughs> so, um, so today, the title of this episode, as you probably saw when you clicked on, is Life After Rape. Those are three hard words to say. So Kendra and I invited Shanika on. And, you know, I know Kendra's story. I know Shanika's story. But Kendra and Shanika, they don't know each other's stories. And I think you will see, the listeners here will see that there are some similarities between the two of them in how they were raised and what transpired and also in their restoration and healing process. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this conversation is going to pan out. I'm going to step back out of this conversation and more so be the mediator. So we're going to start with Shamika. How'd you grow up? Where did you grow up? What things did you like when you were a child? Just give us all the background information. I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I was born into a military family. My dad served 26, almost 27 years in the army. And I was born in Indianapolis, Indiana with Christian parents, um, great parents. And I have a older brother and an older sister. Um, I grew up in Indiana, moved to Oklahoma, then Louisiana, then Georgia. So I have had, I say the pleasure of living in multiple areas because it has allowed me to be the social butterfly that I am. Uh, so it's easy for me to connect with people, to start over, to meet new people, because I have had that upbringing of always moving and having to start over. So I definitely, I've loved that about my life. As I moved into Louisiana, that's really where I grew up, first through sixth grade. So that is where a lot of my life started to transpire. And then Georgia just 
just took it home from there. But what I'll start out by saying is when I was four years old, I was uh, molested by a family member. As you all listening can understand at four, you don't know what that means. I hope you don't know what that means at four, but I definitely did not know. I was told that we were playing a game. And I just was like, okay. So I had no idea what molestation was or why I was experiencing that. Moving on to leaving Louisiana in the year of 2004 and coming to Georgia in 2004. That summer, I was 12 years old. We went on vacation with a group of family friends and their friends actually came as well. So I did not know that set of friends, if that makes sense, hope it does. And one night while watching a movie, I was molested again. At this moment, at 12, I knew exactly what was happening, and I just pretended like I was asleep. At this moment in my life, it brought on a lot of emotions for me because I was like, wow, this is what happened when I was four. So it brought all those thoughts, all the pain, all the heartache back into my life, and it just started to hurt all over again. And then I was able to really start to like almost like grieve about being four and not really knowing what happened then, but it repeating at 12. And it was just like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with me? You know, why do I attract these types of people? And what is also interesting, which I will share later, is this is the year I met my fiance. It was in 2004. We met in middle school. And he tried to pursue me, but because of what I went through in the summer, I was terrified. He was very direct and was like, you're going to be my wife one day. God told me. And I'm like, hyperventilating, <laughs> you know, like, God, I just got touched this summer. I want him to leave me alone. He's pursuing, like, that's later in the story. But that was a rough season for me. I had just moved from Louisiana into a new state. I didn't know anybody. And it was a rough time. I hope that answers more about my childhood. Great parents, great home, Christian home, fortunate, blessed to have anything that I've, I've ever asked for or wanted. Always in church. When the doors were open, we were there. Always serving in ministry with my parents who've been on deacon boards, who've been over women's ministries. So I was always active, whether it was praise team, whether it was outreach. So I've always been active and I've always known that God has something special for my life. And I always knew that I was called into ministry. But at the age of 12, I started to really ask God, why am I different? Why does it seem like I attract people that want to hurt me. Our stories are very similar. Just like Shamika, I grew up in a very Christian home. My parents were children's pastors and youth pastors, and then eventually became a pastor of a church plant. We grew up um, in church, good, you know, good family home, good lifestyle, uh, taught right from wrong, right from the get-go, no problem. I was the youngest of three sisters. I was more of the different child growing up, not because necessarily anything was wrong with me, but my personality was just very different from my two older sisters. I was the the loud one. I was the attention getter. I was the one who always wanted to be going and doing and seeing and experiencing everything. So when we left our home in Aurora, Illinois, and moved up north towards the Wisconsin border to start a church plant, I was about 13, 14 years old, and I was just like, 
angry because we were leaving everything I knew behind, everything I became accustomed to behind, my friends behind, and we were starting all over. Um, and I've never started all over. I've lived in the same house the first 13 years of my life. So when we moved up, up north, I got involved with friends and people and doing things that I had no business doing. And that's kind of where my experience happened, my rape happened. It wasn't young like Shamika or, or wasn't molested by a family member, but I was starting to get involved with with people who were, you know, in gangs and things like that. You guys all heard my story how I met gangbangers at church camp. <laughs> and and that's the truth. I met people who led me to meet other people who led me to meet other people. And then one day at the age of, I would say I was on the cusp of 14, 15, a man came into my home when my parents were at church and he raped me in my bedroom. How does an experience like that so young change you and, and alter you during your teen years? After the rape happened, um, it took, like I said, it took place in my home. This man was, first of all, the, the rape was extremely aggressive. It was the, my first sexual experience ever. And it was just aggressive and raw. And I, I understood what was happening. I didn't know really what, what to do which was out of character for me because I always had a plan. Even if I didn't have a plan, I made up a plan. Like sure. that, was, that was just, that's my personality. Um, but this was just so different. Something I never, you know, you don't think would happen. So I didn't really know what to do. And for somebody who's more of a fighter in that moment, I froze. I just let it happen because again, I didn't know what to do. During the time, it was just very aggressive when he was raping me. But then after he became so, I wouldn't say sweet to me, but he kissed me on the forehead and said, remember, this is all you will ever be good for. And he walked out of my house just as if, all right, thanks for dinner. Bye. Kind of a thing. And I remember just laying there in my bed going, what just happened? Did I want that? Did I do something to bring that on? I did tell him no. I did ask him to leave, but he said no. And he said, this is what I wanted. This is why he's here. So I went through those emotions and processing in my own head. Then I became very, very depressed. And with my personality, depression doesn't work well. I don't like sad feelings. I don't like negative feelings. So I begin to seek out anything to counteract those feelings, whether it was drugs, alcohol, drinking, partying, anything that could distract my mind from what happened and not face the reality of what happened. So that kind of threw me, that experience kind of threw me right. on a path to the rest of my life, essentially, right. um, all the other things that I got involved with and done, because I didn't know how to talk about what happened or tell anybody what happened, that I numbed it with anything and everything fun that mm -hmm. I could think of. So one thing that you said that struck out to me, Kendra, was that this was your first sexual experience. Yeah. So I want to throw that back to Shamika and following up with your story after those first few formative years of your life. Yes. So, wow. <laughs> I see why I'm on here with Kendra. Fast forwarding from uh, seventh grade, so 12 years old, uh, that second molestation that was really, really detrimental for me because, like I said earlier, I started to put the pieces together of my life and I started to really question the Lord as to why this is happening to me. Um, I was still 
active in church, still love God more than anything. So I just kept it to myself. Nobody knew about those two incidents uh, at all. Um, so I kept it to myself, moved on in life, I guess you can say, continued to live life, continued to be a normal child. Fast forward to 16 in high school, I was introduced to a guy uh, at a party, a graduation party, the summer of 2008, and met him. We exchanged numbers, our first time hanging out. He raped me, and... I was also a virgin. <laughs> so uh, in that moment, for me, it was, I'm not ready to do this. You know, I don't want to do this. And when I went to hang out with him, I had on a plaid dress. I'll never forget it. It was a red, gray, and white plaid dress. And when I came over, you know, his mom was there, but his mom, you know, went around. I was like, oh, this might be a good person. Went off, to, you know, went to his room. And he said, did you wear this to tease me? And I looked, was like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know? And so I just remember the door loud and locked and I'm like, what is happening? You know? Um, and that was my first time having sex. It was forced. It was rough, but it was quick. It was, I, all I could do, like Kendra says in that moment is cry while it was happening and not fight because I am that person that has seen so many Lifetime movies. And I'm like, if I fight, he's probably gonna kill me. So I literally sat there just crying and just hurting because it hurts so bad. And after that happened, um, I went home, I was limping and got in the shower. And as you guys probably know, wasn't a good shower because I was a virgin before that happened. Fast forwarding, again, I did not know anything. I was a virgin, I was so sheltered. I'm just being honest, I was so sheltered, I was so naive that I did not know nothing about the female body. I'm just being honest, that I started to feel weird, but I was like, it's probably just my cycle. Then my cycle came on. So I was like, oh, great. Nothing's wrong with me. And about five months after that, I had to go in for a um, physical for cheerleading. I was still doing cheerleading and was told, uh, I need to have your mother step out of the room. <laughs> and my mom was like, for what? And they begin to tell me, your uterus is out of place. And I said, what is that? <laughs> you know, like, what are you talking about? And I said, what? They're like, you're pregnant or we believe you're pregnant. And I said, no, 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 no. And I began to tell them, I've never been with anybody. I didn't, I wasn't with anybody. I don't understand, I, I didn't do anything. So they ordered a blood test, I did a urine test. And I remember my mom kept asking, she said, did you let someone touch you? And I kept saying, no, no. <laughs> I did it, mom, I did not, I promise, I did not let anyone touch me. I had, put it in the back of my mind. I had suppressed it. I didn't want to remember it. I don't want to think about it. I didn't tell anybody. And when he said that, when the doctor said that, I went back to that night. But in my mind, I was like, I didn't do this to myself. I didn't say, yeah, come get me. You know, I said, no, no, I don't want to do this. And I was made to do something. So in my heart, I was like, I'm telling the truth. No, I did not let anyone touch me. 
and within a few weeks got the results that I was 25 weeks pregnant. I was asked by my doctor, you know, would you like to get an abortion? There's still enough time to get that. And um, I said, Look, give me five minutes. <laughs> you know, it was a lot to swallow at 16. And I said, give me five minutes. Let me sit here. <laughs> Let me think about this. My mom was in the waiting room. And a lot of things went through my mind. <clears throat> a lot of things went through my mind. She comes back in five minutes later and she says, would you like to hear <laughs> the heartbeat? And I'm, this is a lot to process. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so she straps the monitor and I just hear like hard, like, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, there's, that's a person. Okay. There's a human. And I said, no, I'm going to keep it. And there is a law that, you know, you cannot share information with the child's parent if they don't want you to. So she asked me, would you like me to tell your parents? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, I'm going to keep this to myself and figure out what I'm going to do because my parents are going to lose their mind if <laughs> they find out that I'm pregnant. But my dad, being a veteran, will go insane when he finds out what really happened. So I, once again, I was trying to protect everybody else except myself. So I was 25 weeks pregnant. And for the rest of my pregnancy, I continued to do cheerleading like nothing happened. I continued to wake up, go to school like nothing happened. But my family started to notice that there was something different about me. When my mom would try to give me a hug, I would like jump. If someone was to slam my door by accident or the air, I would like scream. Uh, and my parents went, what is wrong with her? I had no belly. I looked like I do right now. I did not show at all. I ran track. And one day in track practice, I fell out. I fell over onto the concrete because there was an intense pain in my side. I didn't know what it was. I called my sister to pick me up. And I said, I gotta tell somebody because now, and this is March now, you know, I found out I was pregnant in December of 2008. So now it's March, 2009. And I'm like, I gotta figure out what's wrong with me. So for clarity, Shamika, you are eight months pregnant at this time. Cause you found out you were pregnant five months. Now it's yeah. three months later. You are eight months pregnant at this time. Eight months pregnant. No one knows, but you know, moms really know. Moms always know their children, and she knew the day that they put her out in the doctor's office, something was wrong with me. Uh, and she knew that, but she never said anything. And that day, I said to my sister, I'm pregnant. And my sister was like, no, you're not. You know, look at you. And I said, no, I'm, I, the pain is, I'm pregnant. So I think something is wrong with the baby. My sister begins to start putting the timeline together because she actually was the person that dropped me off at this person's house crying uncontrollably and she says we have to tell mom and dad we have to tell mom and dad we go home it was march 19th 2009 i'll never forget it told my parents and my parents were in denial <laughs> they did not think i was pregnant <clears throat> they didn't think it they didn't believe it they took me to the hospital and the doctor looked at me and asked me, and I told him, I'm eight months pregnant. I found out I was pregnant in December. I don't know what's wrong with me. And the doctor looked me in the face and said, you're a liar. I just began to cry and I'm like, what? 
he said, you look like you're about three months pregnant. You know, you're lying. You're trying to cover up what you're doing. And I'm like, what? Then my parents started questioning, like, are you telling us the truth? Like, why is he saying? I'm like, and I'm in that moment, I never felt so alone. I knew that the Holy Spirit was with me. I knew that Jesus was still with me. But in that moment, I felt so shattered. My heart was broken into so many pieces. And I said, God, what? Like, and I looked at the doctor and I said, you're going to find out. I'm telling the truth. So he goes, you bet we are. I ordered a ultrasound and we're going to find out the truth. So they end up moving me to a room. And about a few hours later, he comes back with tears running down his face, hands me the sonogram and says, you are 36 weeks pregnant. I am so sorry. Instantly, my stomach went from this to my stomach grew. And my son just went, ah, she told, I'm free. And just my stomach grew like 15 inches. And everybody was like, oh. my stomach just went through. And I just, uh, I just started to cry. <laughs> I was like, what is happening to me? I was released from the hospital. That pain actually was contractions. I said, I can't have a baby right now. I have the graduation test next week. If I don't take this test, I don't graduate high school. And that is not going to happen. I will graduate from high school. So they gave me a shot to stop those. And the week after I did my test, I went in for the first time for my doctor's appointment. I had no prenatal care, not one appointment. Went in that day, which was March 30th, 2009, and had so many tests done. All the tests you get done over nine months, I had to get in one day. My arm was so swollen, it was huge. Found out that day you're having a boy, and also found out that day we cannot let you go full term to, I was really supposed to be due in April because. Um, the doctor's words specifically were, you will die and your child will die too. Because my son was only five pounds and six ounces and said, if we let you go full term, there's a chance that you both won't make it. So we're inducing you tonight. <laughs> I had nothing, no diapers, no crib, no clothes, nothing. And next day, March 31st, 2009, here in comes my son, this beautiful human he was absolutely perfect. It was the hand of God the entire time. That time that I felt so alone by myself, I never was. God was there every step of the way, protecting me, protecting him, even from me being embarrassed at school because I was popular. He even kept that for me. Um, and my son was like in a little ball, is what the doctor said. And then when I, as soon as Everything happened, he just, it's like he just stretched out. Hi everyone, this is Nicole coming into you from the future. I'm editing this podcast. And Shamika, Kendra, and I spoke a lot. So we are actually going to divide this podcast into separate sessions. So this is the end of session one, but be on the lookout for session two. Thank you for listening to this episode of Strip Christianity. For more information, questions, or to contact the show, please visit lavishministries.com forward slash podcast. That is L-A-V-I-S-H-E-D ministries forward slash podcast.